You're listening to The Dirt on Dating with your host, Noah Scott. Whether you're on the prowl or spicing up your relationship, we've got the dirt to help you find success in today's digital dating world. Welcome to this episode of The Dirt on Dating Show. I'm Noah, and today we're going to take a glimpse into what it's like to date Riley. So Riley is an asexual trans man who enjoys spending his time working on cosplay and attending conventions with his fiance and boyfriend. At home, he takes care of his four ferrets while he practices witchcraft. Welcome to the show, Riley. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit of background. That's quite a backstory. Witchcraft, ferrets, cosplay, (laughs) and a boyfriend. Yeah. When I was writing my bio, I was like, well, I have a lot of weird little things that I can sprinkle in there. So I figured I might as well toss them all in because it gives a lot of talking points. We do, in fact, have four ferrets. It started as one and just with a lot of people who own ferrets call it ferret math. You start with one and then you get another one because they're social animals. And then (laughs) you get a couple more because... You've already got two. It's fine. Yeah. I have, in addition to the four ferrets, I also have one fantastic fiance who just left the room. In addition to my boyfriend, who I just started dating in the last month or so. We're still feeling things out because they've never been in a polyamorous relationship before. So it's a little bit new to them and they're figuring out if they're compatible with that sort of relationship model because it's not for everyone. It's not, not everybody works with that. I have high hopes. Wild. Yeah, I tend to date my friends. It can either go well or not so well. Yeah, so for the listeners, if you didn't catch that, so Riley has a fiance and also a boyfriend. It's not, they're not the same. And Riley's in a unique polyamorous situation. So that's very interesting. So give us a little background. Like how long ago did this start that you decided to to go the poly route and, and how did you get into it? That is a good question. It's been a good couple of years. I'm currently 22 years old. I think my first non-strictly monogamous relationship was when I was about 16. I went to a very liberal and very open arts school. So I learned about a lot of things because I was raised very conservatively. I learned about pretty much all of the things in the world and pretty quickly changed my opinions about almost everything upon the first year of high school. It was a very interesting time, but I pretty quickly went, it makes a lot more sense to me to if sometimes you like more than one person. Why limit that? Mm-hmm. There's no real reason to limit it if you're if you don't have problems with jealousy mostly and you're not don't have problems with communication. And ever since then, I just felt it felt it feels a lot more natural to yeah. be polyamorous and not limit myself to one monogamous relationship. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think we'll dive in a little bit deeper in that. But I think before that, I think we started getting a little bit about just your background in general. And you've been to this liberal arts high school. You've got quite a eclectic hobby set with all the, the cosplay and, and witchcraft. So all of this kind of came from just your experience at, at high school. And maybe was it as you're growing up in a conservative place, I think as you you hit your like college years or your high school years, it's like time to go wild. And yeah, explore the world. everything and dip your toes in everything. The cosplay actually preceded high school. I went to my first convention this summer preceding high school. And then I've been going to conventions for eight years now, eight or nine years, which is ridiculous considering the fact that I'm only 22. But I've been cosplaying just as many years. It's a wild ride because you get to be someone else for a little while and you get to... My parents 
that part of my life, my parents uh, were, my parents went to conventions when they were my age and they met at Renaissance Fest, did all sorts of wild, wacky stuff when they were kids. The witchcraft just came with, I was actually doing research for some, a web comic that a friend of mine and I were trying to create in high school, which kind of fell to the wayside after we graduated. But I still love it in my heart, uh, uh, even though it's not an active project anymore. And I was doing some research for character because I thought it was fitting that this character would be perhaps a witch, not necessarily in the like fantasy type, make candles and fly around the room and all of that stuff, Wicca, paganism, that sort of thing. And I was doing some research and came across some stuff and went, this makes a little bit too much sense. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. And so you just went down the rabbit hole with that. And, and yep. do your partners also, are they supportive of, of this stuff? Do, do they share similar interests? Like how do you find, how do you find compatibility with your partners? My fiance actually, despite the fact that he is also Jewish, does practice something, uh, various things that could be also labeled as witchcraft. Because contrary to popular belief, witchcraft itself is not a religion. It is a system of beliefs, but not necessarily, it doesn't have to be about deities and gods or goddesses or higher powers. It's just the energy of the world and what we can do to tap into that and use it to help ourselves, use it to help the earth, etc., like we both have done tarot readings. My boyfriend also, I don't know if they've done readings themselves or not, but like they also have partaken in like tarot and various things. As far as like being compatible and like communication, my fiance and I, we lived together for a good portion of our relationship already. We were raised in very similar ways when it comes to like how our houses work. So we're both kind of messy people, which is unfortunate because it means our house is kind of messy. But it also means we understand each other in a very fundamental sort of way because we both have the same anxieties when it comes to cleaning because we have the same sort of memories when it comes to, oh, I associate cleaning with being yelled at. So we understand each other mm. and we're able to communicate better and not it's like, oh, I'm not mad at you because this is messy. I understand why this is messy. I understand that it overwhelms you. And I get that as frustrating as it might be at times. Got it. And so you associate yourself as trans. Do your partners also, or are they men? We're all men regardless, actually. My boyfriend, while they go by boyfriend, they are not binary. So they don't align themselves with feminine or masculine necessarily, although they don't mind masculine terminology like boyfriend. My fiance is also trans male. But uh, at this point, most of my friends are somewhere on the queer gender spectrum. And, and just because I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't really had the time or the opportunity to encounter and, and to, you know, just have a conversation as far as what's, what the mindset is going through that process of deciding that, you know what, this is the gender that I'm going, going to make the rest of my life as. Walk us through that process. What, was, what is that like? And how do you come to terms with that? I, it's not a very easy process to describe. I'll give you that right off the bat. It's a little bit different for everybody. I, I remember an instance from my childhood that I don't remember it as well as I remember being told to me by my mother. I, when I would think I was in kindergarten or first grade and I had a sweatshirt that had a truck on it because I really liked trucks for some reason. I don't know why. I just hyper fixated on that a lot as a kid. And I didn't want to wear it to school because apparently, and I quote, I didn't want other people to think that I thought I was a boy, ah. which <laughs> looking back on that is very telling. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was about 16 that I, like I had, after I started high school, I started like occasionally questioning myself because I saw a lot of my other friends coming out as trans, as not binary, as 
varying sexualities. And I was like, I like that's something to consider. Maybe I should take a look at myself because I've never done that. And it took me two full years of being exposed to that concept and that idea to really like actually go, hey, this might actually resonate with me a little bit. And for a couple of months, I identified as gender fluid, which is when you feel like even just day to day, your gender presentation, how you express yourself and how you feel about your gender just changes. Sometimes you feel more feminine, sometimes you feel more masculine, sometimes you feel somewhere in between. And then after about like six to nine months, I realized that I'd been feeling pretty masculine for pretty much two or three months. Maybe I wasn't gender fluid. Maybe it was just the other side of the binary. Hmm. And it can be very alienating. Sometimes I was really lucky to be in a very open and accepting community at school where I could change my name in the school database so that I wasn't being misnamed and misgendered constantly. I, there was a really, had a really big GSA. There was almost all of my friends were also genderqueer to some extent. So it was really, it wasn't, there wasn't a huge period, but it can be difficult going into relationships depending on who you're dating. I know a lot of other genderqueer people who are like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not super interested in dating people who aren't genderqueer just because it can complicate things a lot and miscommunication happens a lot and it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Where do you find partners? You've got two now, so you might have your hands full, but where do you, before these, where did you typically go? And, and if you're still adding new, new matches to the equation, where do you find them? I don't typically go looking for them personally because I, I'm not very good at making the first move. And I, since I'm asexual, so I'm not, I don't experience sexual attraction to other people. I tend to end up dating people I've already known one way or another. Like my fiance, I literally almost ran into him at a convention, just almost head on. They were going in the doorway and I was going out the doorway. And at a panel, I was actually um, helping run. And I, I was helping run this panel and we had some panelists that were late. Yeah. And I was totally frazzled beyond all recognition and in body paint and a wig and horns and six inch platforms because I tend to go all out and I'm short. So I like platform shoes. And I almost ran into him, didn't, didn't even really notice him <clears throat> at all. But apparently I stood out to him a lot. And I ended up in this cosplay group with him later on. And the rest is history. On the other hand, my boyfriend, oh my God, I've known for many years. We met probably around the same time. So that, that's really fascinating. Earlier, you mentioned that, that you're asexual. So you, do you still have sex? Or do you prefer like an emotional connection when you're with your partners? Like, how does that play out? Um, for me personally, I'm mostly adverse to sex. It's not a blanket statement. Sometimes I'm more indifferent and willing to engage in sexual activities with my partners. But it changes day to day, week to week, month to month. And obviously all asexual people are different. Some ace people actively seek out sex because, because they like the way it feels or they like the endorphins or what have you. I'm usually fairly sex repulsed just because, uh, especially right now, like I also have chronic nausea. And so that it doesn't really put you in the mood yeah. as well as I'm not currently on testosterone and I used to be. And testosterone definitely ups your libido and your sex drive and being not on that because of the chronic nausea and feeling sick all the time. It's just not, it's not a great uh, situation for ever really wanting or being at least okay with, because you don't, it's just, it's 
not really a good combination of uh, situations or feelings. Interesting. And do you, so do you think that that's part of the reason why the, the polyamory has been such a, a boon for you is because that alleviates some of the help. pressure? It does help a lot. Yes. Cause especially cause my fiance just started testosterone a couple of months ago. And so he's going through the initial, like basically the beginning of puberty yeah. and that if you're a cis man or you've ever gone through puberty involving testosterone, I'm sure you remember or understand how horny you get and ang- angry all the time. And it's difficult to find an outlet for that. And my fiance is actually also dating uh, a wonderful girl, um, the first date girl that I ever dated in high school, actually. She's one of my best friends. And I'm thrilled about that because they're both fantastic people. Yeah. And he's, he also texts other people and he occasionally will relay different things that different people he's talking to and tell me about different experiences he's had because I like to know what's going on, even though I'm not participate in it, participating in it, just because if something sounds like it's not going well or someone might sound like they're not a good person for him, I want to be able to say something and go, hey, have you ever thought that maybe that's not something mm-hmm. they should be doing that doesn't sound like they're treating you the way that you deserve to be treated? Yeah, it sounds like the, you have a very unconventional upfront communication in which you're bringing things to the surface and you're talking about it. What, what frameworks have you found to really have good communication with each other? And what have you found that being so transparent has done for just the trust and, and jealousy? It definitely helps a lot with trust. I, as far as I'm concerned, if you can't trust the person you're dating, especially if you've been dating them for a long time, more than a year or so, if you can't trust that person, why are you dating them? Because you should have a good level of trust with your partner, especially if you're having sex with them and we're exchanging pictures or what have you. You have to trust that person to not expose that to someone you don't want exposed to. It's, it can be really difficult to be upfront about your emotions and what you're going through or what you're doing in anything, whether it be sex or I'm mad that you didn't do the dishes or what have you. But it's really important to create a safe space between you and your partner or a time where you can say, hey, I'm not happy with this, or this made me feel like this. What can we do to fix it? You have to trust that your partner has your best interests at heart when you talk about things. We actually attended a wedding that of one of his coworkers, and one of the things they said during their wedding really hit home, and I think is a really good way to learn about relationships and go about your relationships, which is it's not me versus you. It's us against the problem. Mm-hmm. Not you shouldn't be fighting with your partner. You should be. Maybe you argue a little bit about something you don't agree on, but you don't, you don't attack the other person. You attack the problem. What's the problem? What can I do to fix this problem while also making both of us happy? Yeah, that's really deep. And I think uh, having that mindset shift where you're able to instead think of yourself as a team and a unit rather than individuals competing for something, it, it really does bring you together stronger than a lot of other things. So that's very fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So as we're working towards wrapping up here, I'd love to just get maybe a couple stories about perhaps some of the more unconventional things that maybe how the dating dynamic works and just maybe a story of a time that something happened that was a little unconventional. Not as good with stories, which is weird because I consider myself a storyteller, mostly just because my memory sucks. But my fiance and I did date um, a guy from a couple states southward for a while. And that was, he came up a couple of times, which was interesting. Yeah, that, that would be great. Tell us a little bit about the, the details. We all, we would go to, he would come up for conventions usually, because then we would all, you know, hang out all day. 
and go to the convention, all three of us, which would be very, it, triads tend to be the most difficult form of polyamorous relationships because you have you and a person, a person, B person, B and person, C, C and A, and then all three of you together. But so we would have, we would trade off and like, okay, you two go off, fiance and other guy will go off and do their thing. And then we'd trade off and I would go off with my fiance and do something, or we'd all go off together and we just, or when he was here and I would go to work and then they would be alone and they would do whatever they do. I don't know. I, I told them not to do any of that while I was home since I worked so much while he was here. So does that, generally speaking, like you're more involved in the emotional just conversation dynamics. And then when it comes to play in the bedroom, do you just uh, say, I'm going to go somewhere else? Or how, would sometimes there were a couple of times where we would all three do something together of that variety, but it was pretty few and far between. Yeah, very cool. All right. Final question. What do you think is the secret to being a better lover? I would say trust and communication, again, just because without a good solid foundation of trust and consistent communication, no relationship will survive. Yeah. No, very cool. All right. I, I said final question, but I got one more for you. <laughs> because this is, this is an era where there are a lot of people that are going through the questions of their gender and stuff. What, what advice would you have for someone that is on the fence about their gender and not sure how to bring it up to their family? What I would say if you're not sure what you identify as yet, just keep an open mind, do some research. There are plenty of amazing resources out there that you can look at. And there are plenty of amazing people out there that you can talk to as well. When it comes to telling your family that everyone's a little bit different, depends on your family. I just want, I just came down the stairs one day and was like, hey, I'm not this anymore. Call me this. And they're just kind of like, all right, cool. So they must have seen the writing on the wall for a while. I started cosplaying primarily male characters for a while before I even realized and they came out, hey, are you not a girl? Or And I was like, nope, I just like cosplaying dudes. Oblivious I was about it at the time. <laughs> That's so funny. They already do. Yeah. Very fun. All right. Well, Riley, it's been a blast having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your unique journey and just your different viewpoint on, on all of this. So it's been fantastic. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to swing by Apple, find the show on Apple and leave us a positive review. We love those five stars. And also don't forget to drop us, drop us a note. If you want to be on the show, visit dirtondating.com slash single to introduce yourself and tell us your story. That's it for this one. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show. We hope you enjoyed the ride. Stay safe talk dirty and we'll see you here tomorrow for another wild dating adventure